Give it up, baby. I've studied all your moves. Yeah, study this! What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Forbidden Technique podcast on the Fireside Podcast Network. Myself, your host, Silas Martin, and back with my regular co-host, Christian Reynolds. Christian, thank you for not interrupting me and talking a bunch of shit while I'm trying to do the intro. And today, uh, we have an okay-ish pay-per-view to uh, preview. But first, we have a, a pretty fun overall fight night. Uh, to look back on with a particularly meaningful uh, main event result to get into first, in which the most prolific serial killer at Bantamweight claims another victim. Uh, Marlon Chito Vera knocks out uh, Dominic Cruz by fourth round head kick in another fight where Marlon Vera gets outstruck and just um, believes in his ability to just find openings down the stretch. It was pretty cool. And uh, I thought it was a pretty good performance by Dominic Cruz uh, for what this matchup was and for where he is in his career and for how tough of a matchup this always could have been for him. Cruz did a decent job of doing what you know won him the rounds in the Pedro Munoz fight, uh, staying mobile but picking his moments to blitz, uh, really trying to make a statement early with like, big combinations, push Cheeto back and make Cheeto respect his feints and be able to keep Cheeto off him. But uh, down the stretch, uh, Cheeto started doing a really good job of like adjusting to Cruz's blitzes, whereas early in the fight, he would kind of just uh, put up his guard and run backwards and let himself bounce off the cage. We, which, you know, even, even though there wasn't a lot of clean connections, like clean damaging connections coming from Cruz, it's just like it doesn't, that kind of thing doesn't look good for judges. We talked about this when Calvin Cato uh, kind of lost to Josh Emmett. Um, but he started doing a good job as the fight went on of like standing his ground and throwing counters and also just like pivoting off, creating angles, getting in on clinch entries, just like not letting Cruz do stuff to push him back and slowly just tracking Cruz down, making him uncomfortable and making reads based on Cruz's reactions to the things that he was throwing out there. Uh, people like some people had Dominic Cruz up on the scorecards, but he got dropped in I think every single round in this fight. So I mean, you know, that is the Dominic Cruz magic. Um, people have been saying things about Dominic Cruz's durability, but I mean, all of the times where he got dropped were like perfect counters. While he was, you know, the first one was a big left hook while he was throwing a kick. Uh, the second one was like a one-one-two where the double jab got him like uh, kind of fading back and swatting for the hands and he was really out of position to take a big right hand. Um, there was also one where he just like ran into a stiff jab. All things that you can just get dropped by and he still uh, recovered remarkably quickly from them. And uh, the finishing shot was a high kick when he was like reacting to a jab by... Uh, turning away and ducking down really hard and committing all his weight in one direction. So even though it only connected with the foot, 
Uh, if you don't see a shot coming and you're in that kind of position to take it, it's going to fucking activate your ragdoll physics. It was, a pretty, it was a pretty gnarly knockout. What did you make of the whole thing, Christian? Uh, I thought it was a fantastic performance by Cheeto, and I also thought Cruz looked very good. Um, the main takeaway for me is that MMA fans as a whole need to learn that brain damage is attritional damage. Just because someone is getting dropped over and over and but not getting leg kicked does not mean that they're not being attritionally damaged. Cruz was fighting worse and worse as the fight went on, I think, as a product of getting his brain so rattled. He, the knockouts are coming easier and easier. It, it just seemed like maybe one of the best examples of patience paying off in a fight that I've seen in recent memory. Like people have been asking for Cruz to fight, you know, a, a patient counterpuncher that's gonna like fuck him up on his his weird inefficient movements, and then that happens, and people are like, "Oh, what the hell? Why isn't he throwing more?" It's because Dominic Cruz is hard to hit with volume, so you kind of got to pick your moments. Like he he, the more reads you give him, the easier his defense is going to get programmed. So Cheeto just didn't give him a lot of reads and then kind of picked him apart. Yeah, some people argue that he won the first two rounds. I wouldn't. I feel like if you get knocked down like hard in a round, then you lose the round if you didn't do that much on the feet. And Cruz isn't exactly a hitter. It's more just kind of scoring for him on principle, I guess. You're like, oh, well. Vera didn't really do that much uh, aside from the single knockdown, the single most damaging event in the round. But then the first round has two takedowns, and like I say, it has Dominic Cruz like pushing Cheeto Vera back with relatively like low damage blitzes. You know, it's it's the Dominic Cruz magic. He knows how to win rounds in MMA. Yeah, and I don't think it's a universal truth that if someone gets a knockdown that they guaranteed win the round. But I feel like in this context, it's kind of. It's just being a dork if you score it for Dominic Cruz. It, like, uh, oh, it's all cute. You know, he he did a bunch of old man gamesmanship and like like sneaky things to kind of maneuver himself into the fight in a, a fight he was always going to lose. Like, it, it's commendable, but you don't have to win rounds to have a commendable performance. Yeah, and also, like, Chito Vera can win rounds doing this whole thing. Like, he... yeah won a five-round decision against Rob Font in which he was heavily outstruck on numbers, but there was absolutely no argument for Rob Font winning that fight. And Rob, yeah, Rob, Rob Font didn't win a single round, I think. No, and he threw... Like, I mean, he's credited with landing close to 300 strikes, and a lot of them, like, glancing, whatever, but he, he still... Like, he still just, like easily won a decision over one of the most active volume punches in the division. So this is apparently a thing that works, and it's genuinely fascinating to me because Chito Vera has revealed himself in his last two fights to be not the Chito Vera that I've fell in love with, but I I may love him even more. I'm not sure. He's very interesting because, like, I really started to notice him somewhere around the Andre Yule fight as this, like, <clears throat> high pace, swarming, kicker and clinch elbow guy with, like, some some nasty ground and pound and some sneaky tricks on the ground. But in these last couple of fights, he's revealed himself to be this like super negative pressuring counter striker who just like who just kind of like wants to wear on you 
by being like aggressively defensive, if that makes sense, and just like focus on singular reads that he can use to destroy you as the fight goes deep. This was like a fucking Noiri fight or some shit. It's crazy. So Chito Vera is a, is a deeply fascinating fighter to me, and I'm really interested to see where he, where he goes from here because you, this is just absolutely uh, him at his best. Every everything everything's clicking, and he's getting these real career defining wins. Yeah, it's always very nice whenever someone gets to the top level, and then the rest of their career is kind of given context that makes sense in hindsight, but it was kind of formless, like in the process. Like there was different takes people had on Cheeto Vera as a type of fighter, but it all kind of revolved around him being like a, a swarmer that comes on late. And now he still comes on late, but he's just patient as fuck. And if you give him the extra 10 minutes of a five round fight, he's going to really utilize it. He, he builds into a fight. Well, he was starting to just win the rounds generally before he knocked out Cruz. And, and he was also kind of finding ways to shut down fonts jab in their fight. Like after a certain point, opponents that are really good at adapting were just not getting out adapted by him. Yeah, I think um, Ed has always had a great read on Cheeto, which is that he like wants to be this like super slick ranged kickboxer, and then it like starts not working, and he gets mad and just like starts killing the guy, and he's just like generally talented at doing violence. And these last two fights, I think, have really kind of like us. Uh, like crystallized that a little bit for me because it's like this has been some combination of the right matchups and him just getting to a level of experience and just technical ability to be able to fight the way that he's always wanted to. So that's cool. Um, It's a bad idea if he fights like Corey Sandhagen or someone like that. Uh, but he is just like a supremely organic fighter who stays very calm and is just like always focused on on finding openings. Yeah, and I think the Yo Romero comparisons are. I get uh, it. I I get what people are saying, but Cheeto has so much more willingness to just fucking do something than Yoel has ever had. Like, Yoel is very patient, but he's patient to a fault, whereas Cheeto is reasonably patient. Yeah, I, I feel like we're going to see some kind of return to form from Cheeto in a fight where this kind of shit just stops working. But I feel like he was just, like, really confident that he was going to knock Dominic Cruz out at some point. And I think so was uh, Jason Perillo. And credit to that guy, because he understands his fighters and... Kind of understands the value of just like selling out on really strong tactical reads that to just win the fight instantaneously. Um, obviously, he he understands like what you need to do to win rounds and stuff as well. But this is the guy who, you know, Michael Bisping had a title shot on eleven days' notice, and Jason Perillo was like, "Ah, uh, knock him out with the left hook, Michael. You you can do that. We'll just, we'll just do left hooks, and you'll win like that. It'll be super easy." And like supposedly. Uh, I heard Chiso Vera say just like a couple of weeks before the fight, Jason Perillo just text uh, Chito Vera a screenshot of uh, Dominic Cruz versus 
uh, Pedro Munoz in a moment where Dominic Cruz was like ducking re- down really hard as Pedro Munoz was throwing a body kick. And he, it, it didn't even like include any text. It was just a picture and she was, was just like, okay, yeah, I know, I know what I need to do. Yeah. It, it's... I I think that Cheeto Vera is kind of due more respect than the MMA community is giving him for this performance because people are like, yeah, you know, we got the finish, that's all cool, but he needs to throw more. He, and yet in his, his other fights, he, he he has thrown more. Like, we've seen him do that. We know he can, and these are matchups where the correct thing to do is let the guy that throws a lot of volume like throw a lot of volume because you're durable as fuck and you always start late anyways and he starts late but he got a knockdown in the first round in i think both the font and the the cruise fight like he's kind of working into that and i feel like the fact that he's a slow starter is benefited even more by five rounds because people are less willing to bomb rush him to try and win the first round because each individual round to win is less valuable so he gets to start his fights as slow as he wants and still be able to find openings because his opponent is trying to maintain their cardio. So you think he should get the next title shot? Yeah, why not? Why the fuck not? Um, if like that's just not going to work out timeline-wise or whatever, then I would like to see him fight either uh, the winner of Corey Sandhagen versus Song Yudong, which... Spoiler alert, I expect to be Corey Sandhagen. Um, or, you know, maybe when uh, Piotr Yan gets done uh, executing Sean O'Malley, one of those guys. Um, but if uh, the winner of TJ versus Aljo is just, like, ready to go, then why the fuck not do that? Also, I just want to take this moment to... Uh, uh, give some more love to Jason Perillo as a coach, who uh, I'm just going to put myself out there and say is uh, the best striking coach in MMA today. Uh, I think he's criminally underrated, and I think a big part of that is because there isn't really like a like a Jason Perillo style in the way that like people like uh, you know Eugene Behrman because all of his guys do jabs and low kicks and faint a lot and they look technical. Uh, but Jason Perillo just like I'm not aware of any fighters really who have come up solely under him but everyone who spends time with him as a coach just becomes a more classy refined version of themselves and the fact that he's able to take uh, Rafael Dos Anjos Chris Cyborg Michael Bisping Chito Vera and Mackenzie Dern all dramatically different fighters and just understand what they need to develop into the fighters that that they are it just shows remarkable depth as a coach I think he needs more love from the MMA community and then in a less uh, like technically refined route but very violent uh, fight Nate Landwehr versus David Onama this uh, fight was very silly. It was it was a light heavyweight fight at featherweight. Um, I was counting da- uh, Nate Landwehr Nate Landwehr out a little bit, mainly just because like uh, David Onama's athletic as fuck, and she's like pretty good at knocking people out. And Nate Landwehr has just like been instantly destroyed in the first round a couple times. Um, but he's a respectable level of fighter, and. 
he's like a crafty veteran who's been around on the regional scene for a very long time. And if you start to like give him a wedge, he's going to find his way into a fight and he's going to find ways to fuck up people who were dramatically more uh, physically talented than, than him. And that's what happened. Even, even though like Nate Lamway got absolutely smoked in the first round. But uh, David Onama couldn't get the finish and he got absolutely knackered um, to the point that Nate Landwehr, I mean, I guess he saw that Bill Algio Herbert Burns fight the other week and thought that he could just, he was he was trying to get like walk away TKO finishes just from David Onama being knackered on the ground. And then the ref was like, what are you doing? And uh, I mean, I was praying for David Onama to like be able to capitalize on one of those moments and just Nate, and just like knock Nate Landwehr the fuck out for being a dumb idiot on uh, in a fight that he did. was like, was very close. He nearly threw away a fight that he was like, had in the bag that was like a tough fight that he had to scrape back after having a tough first round and then just like almost lets this like super dangerous power puncher have enough time to recover because he's like doing dumb gamesmanship that didn't work um Biaz's fight was cool there was lots of knockdowns Nate Landwehr is so fucking dangerous in transitions and he creates them a lot like, like he'll just, you know, shoot for a takedown, kind of give up on it, uppercut you, tie you up, elbow you, let you sl- slip out of the clinch, throw a little shitty kick, and then be back in the clinch real fast. Like, he, he's actually really good at that. It surprised me a lot. He was a little aimless direction-wise. Like, he was trying to pressure and come forward, but he didn't really care if his opponent got off the fence, and sometimes uh, Onama would get off the fence and then get put back on... Uh, back on the fence by like a tie up and then get taken back off the fence by Landwehr giving up his own position in a tie up and then chasing him across the cage. It it showed like definite promise in Nate Landwehr's skill progression. Uh just a little silly in, in practice, but it was a great fight. Onama looked uh really he looked decent, but it, I don't know, he just has like an accuracy problem, I think. Like he's very accurate but that's kind of all he is and that's why it's a problem i mean he hits hard he's fast but his overall skill set doesn't like set up much offense for him he kind of just has to wait for a good time to land on someone and lander where was giving it to him but it just like it still didn't manifest anything for him yeah and this fight also probably just showed us issues with like Focus and conditioning down the stretch in a tough fight. Mm-hmm. He was fading by the end of the first. In a fight that he it looked like he had in the bag early as well. Uh, but 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 still a promising fighter with like not that much experience. Uh, Yasmin Uruguay, I probably mispronounced the shit out of that. And then someone who else else I'm gonna mispronounce the name of uh, Yasmin Lucindo. Uh, was a banger. It is worth watching, but it was kind of just a tale of uh, landing left hooks at the same time. Uh, Yargwai looked a lot more like, I don't know, just refined on the feet, but still had you know her own deficiencies. Both very young fighters, so you expect them to have have their own issue th- issues at this point. Yeah, and both pretty athletic and pretty durable and were really able to just like trade with each other for the whole fight. It was pretty close overall. Yeah, they they both are 
good hitters, I feel like Lucindo hits harder, but is a lot less patient and able to find moments. Because she's kind of just, and also her mechanics were very lacking. Like her, her right hook and left hook, both just really wide, always telegraphed. And uh, Yargwai had a good amount of success punishing it. And I agreed with the decision. I didn't really understand people getting upset about it. It, it was the more powerful pl- powerful person getting outstruck because of like mechanical inefficiencies. So just, I don't know, it, it, it makes sense to give Yargwai, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Devin Clark versus Azamat Mozakhanov. Like, Devin Clark's got, like, a thing for karate now, which was pretty dope, because apparently he's just, like, got an insanely fast lead leg. He was just doing bouncy footwork and, like, flicky lead high kicks. Actually badly hurt Mazakanov with one at one point. Yeah, too too bad that's all he's got going. <laughs> and Mazakanov is pretty good at finding a finish in the third round. Apparently. Like, if he hurts you, the, the finish comes pretty soon after. Which is good to see. Uh, Gerald Mishart versus Bruno Silva. Another fight I was dramatically incorrect about. Uh, because uh, I just underrated Gerald Mishart as uh, the best defensive fighter in MMA today. Better striker than soon-to-be UFC middleweight champion Alex Pereira. And striking is a secondary skill set to him. So he's the best middleweight in the world. Uh, this performance was fucking insane. Yeah, he, he he managed to get hit like maybe three times. He kept turning his back and running, but in perfect moments. You know, it, it's a it's a generally bad thing to do. But if you get away with it, then it's it's pretty good, you know? Like it, like it gets you out of the way from like a point A to point B standpoint way faster than, you know, a pivot will. And he was pivoting, but he would pivot and then sprint across the cage in the other direction. But it worked, and then he got the finish. So you can't really be mad at it. His, he was jabbing up Bruno Silva, and every feint he made, Bruno Silva got punished badly for it. Yeah, he shut down like all of Bruno Silva's offense and just was leading Bruno Silva around by the nose at one point. He was doing stuff like jabbing to the side of his head to get Bruno Silva slipping and throwing out high kicks. So Bruno Silva was like, oh, I don't don't want to slip the jabs now because of the high kick threat. And then and then Mishot was just jabbing the shit out of him. And the finishing sequence was fucking beautiful. It was like um, uh, Silva came in like swinging a big punch and Gerald Mishot ducks in for a like reactive takedown entry, comes up... Uh, comes up into the clinch, hurts Silva with a knee to the body, and then drops him with a left hook, gets in on a front headlock, and finishes him with a guillotine. It was a fucking a Charles Oliveira-ass sequence. Yeah, and the guillotine was just for fun. He could have elbowed him like twice and gotten the finish, but he wanted the, the club and sub. It's what he knows to do in that situation. Yeah, it's the most reliable thing to do there, too. And Silva was fucked. The guillotine really was a formality. Yeah. Um, so Gerald Mearshart is the defensive mastermind of the year. Uh, Priscilla Cachoeira won by knockout in the first round again. Oh, That's yeah, right. she did. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, just going yeah, to our, a big our, old our, exchange, swinging big old hooks, and uh, um, Priscilla Cachoeira hits pretty hard. Yeah, Ariana Lipsky should not have played that very, very dangerous game. It seemed like she tried to 
kind of use Crashware's thing against her out of panic, and it punished her very early. So like a minute and five seconds of the round. Yeah. Um, Angela Hill had a pretty goddamn good performance against Lupi Godinez. It was pretty pretty cool seeing Angela Hill being able to like work behind a reach advantage for the first time in forever. And uh, I mean, I <clears throat> I thought her route to the vi- to victory in this fight was probably going to be the clinch uh, if Lupi Godinez wasn't be able to going to be able to get in on takedowns consistently. But Angela Hill actually just did a really good job of. Um, of just uh, picking Loopy apart from range. Um, they got into some like pretty wild exchanges in the first round, but <clears throat> as the fight went on, Angela Hill just had a, a really good read on Loopy's timing and was able to just like pick her off with nice long range shots and like uh, make anticipatory defensive maneuvers on, on exits and be able to get back to a range where she could set up her offense. It was a good performance. Like to see, like to see Angela Hill win. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. I thought it was a, there was a nice flying knee in the first round for Angela Hill, but she couldn't really really build off of it in later rounds. Uh, it, it was a good performance, but it sh- kind of showed um, why Angela Hill never kind of got past this point in her career. I thought Lupita uh, showed promise. She's just really small for the division, and that's going to be a difficult hurdle to get past. But she's still um she's still had some good wins recently and and this is definitely this is a, this is a solid win that keeps Angela Hill you know where she's always been um you know just good to see there's still a winnable fights against against solid fighters in this division yeah I I, I I miss these next two fights do you, do you have anything to say about either of these uh yes uh Boudet versus Brzezki uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, it was all right. I don't really know if I agreed with the decision. It was kind of power versus volume, but the volume was like fucking three times that of the power. And the power puncher didn't land that many clean shots. And he wasn't necessarily powerful. He just is bigger because uh, Lukash is like a small heavyweight. Master Boudet is fucking huge. Yeah. And Boudet couldn't do anything in the clinch, really. Uh, they just didn't tie up very much. Rzeski is all right, but I don't think that either guy's going to be doing too much in the near future. Although, you know, heavyweight can kind of surprise you. Maybe one of them will be the heavyweight title contender in like seven years. Once they hit their prime, of course. And then Nino Nunez versus Cynthia Calvillo. I was hearing the commentary compliment Nunez. I think it's because they just haven't watched her fights very much because she used to be much better. Uh, in the last like couple of years, she's just looked off. Uh, it feels like a direction thing, as well as like layoffs due to pregnancy and s- stuff. Like just taking time off of fighting. I feel like and, she's just been less things. interested in fighting as well. Yeah, and she, and, she retired. And she doesn't need, fight, didn't she? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And she doesn't need to fight as much to sustain herself anymore because like she's married to someone who's a more successful fighter, like financially. So. I I don't I did not get what the commentary was saying. I thought she, it was a really bad performance. But that being said, she still kind of beat the hell out of Cynthia Calvillo. I'm I wouldn't go that far, I guess. But it it was a clear win for Nina, and Cynthia Calvillo looked terrible. I think I thought her boxing looked 
awful. I and she got a takedown, but it was mostly off of Nunez just being really timid. I think the Nunez from or the Nina Nunez from the uh, Tatiana Suarez fight would have finished Calvillo. It looked like she was going to finish her in the first round just because the leg kicks were coming so free. But Calvillo managed to kind of scare Nina off of him. But I, I don't know. It, it was not a promising performance uh, from Cynthia Calvillo and Nina Nunez. It was an all right one to go out on. It's a win. But yeah, I mean, yeah, good, to go, good to go out on a win. Yeah, it just, you know, you'd hope that it's a more emphatic win or impressive one rather than beating someone who's a stylistic layup kind of just by a decent bit and not. I mean, yeah, but most MMA careers end way too late and absolutely horribly. So that's fair. It's still, it's still just good to see this kind of thing. Yeah, this is kind of like middle of the road as far as retirement fights go. Inoffensive. But then uh, Gabriel Benitez versus Charlie Ontiveros. Ontiveros, I mean, he just grazed Benitez with the axe kick. That is his thing. Uh, Ontiveros, he's clearly talented. He's fast as shit. Um, he's you know he's a dexterous kicker and he can mix his strike up strikes up really well. I don't know if it's an accuracy or a timing thing or if he just like doesn't hit that hard. Um. But the, he also just doesn't actually seem to really have a clue what he's doing on the ground. You know, the guy got just like thrown around and slammed TKO'd by Kevin Holland. Then uh, drops that down two divisions to lightweight. And like knocks Steve Garcia out several times, but the ref lets it keep going. And then Steve Garcia's a fucking warrior and ends up getting getting the fight to the ground and destroying on Taveros. And this fight was like kind of close-ish for a few minutes. And Benitez was just like, this is stupid. I'm just going to take, I'm just going to take this guy down and just destroyed him from Mount. As, uh, it's just like, so on Taveros, like a promising talent in certain respects, but has somehow lost in the exact same way to Kevin Holland, Steve Garcia and Gabriel Benitez. And landed axe kicks on all of them before getting finished. It, it, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's long for the UFC, but he's probably talented not. in a weird way. Yeah, maybe some maybe some time away from the promotion to work on some things. He could. I mean, how old is he? He can't be that old, right? He's not. He's not very old. He has time to get some shit. Yeah, just good to see. Uh, good to see Omogli back in the win column. Uh, Benitez definitely. Uh, a little bit past it at this point. Uh, just uh, another cool veteran who you uh, love to still see getting wins at this point. Uh, Tyson now got the funniest knockout of all time against uh, Day Osborne. Yeah, I've never, I've never actually laughed harder at a finish. Even Matt Wyman versus Jordan Levitt. No, I, I cried at that one, but that one was like an actual laugh. This one was so funny it broke me. Like I, I just stopped moving. With my mouth open in my in a huge smile, like tr- I was trying to laugh, but I couldn't get it out physically because it was so silly. But it was also like badass and violent in a way that the that uh, Wyman knockout re- kind of like it was violent, but it wasn't like slick or anything. <laughs> this one was guy gets really he got cleanly UFC four countered. It was a UFC four video game counter, and then. 
followed up by some of the most disgusting timing I've ever seen on a coffin nail. The guy does a like a backflip roll and then just gets uppercutted full power in the chin and goes like almost completely limp and then hit it again and then goes fully limp. Yeah, which, which all starts from uh, Tyson Nam pull countering a flying knee. And yeah, and it just falling so far short and uh, and nailing out Osborne with a, a picture perfect right hand, like while his feet are barely getting back to the ground from the flying knee. And then, as you say, like, yeah, gets dropped, does a backwards roll, immediately back up into like a grounded uppercut. Uh, in, in into a couple of little just coffin nail boots that send him completely dead. It it's one of the best sequences you'll ever see in MMA. Tyson Nam is worth having around because he does these things occasionally. Yeah, and it's it's the rare fight where someone gets knocked both stiff and limp. Um, Josh Quinlan also got a really cool knockout over Jason Witt. Uh, Jason Witt just like uh, blitzed in really hard on a lead body kick and got left hooked. And it was one of those where someone gets left hooked while they're throwing a kick and uh, looks like they slip on a banana peel and he uh, fucking died. He was extremely unconscious. Yeah, and that's happened to Jason Witt almost like the exact same thing like three times now. Mm. Seems to be an issue. Yeah, I think maybe he should stop stepping in with kicks w- when being way too close, and he should stop dropping his hand every time he throws a kick on the open side. Um, Yosef Zalal and Damon Blackshear had a draw. The, I kind of agreed with the draw, but I feel like it wouldn't have been crazy to give Zalal a first round or second round. Uh, Blackshear and Zalal grappled the first two rounds almost exclusively there was a bit of striking and you could kind of see what Blackshear's game is because the first time I'd seen him it's Zalal's first time at bantamweight in the UFC um, maybe ever uh, but Zalal kind of came back in the third round and or not even necessarily came back because you could have scored the first two rounds for him or either one of them because they you know it wasn't super wide it was mostly just Blackshear getting some control time but in the third round, Zalal went hard on the body in the last like three minutes, and he got a knockdown with it. He couldn't really seal the deal, but it looked like he was going to finish him towards the end of the third. So they gave him a 10-8. I agree with 10-8. I think it's fair to give Zalal one of the early rounds, but I, I'm kind of not offended by it. A draw seems fair. Blackshear is a good fighter. Uh, he has a lot of Charles Oliveira influence. You can see just by the way he was like using knee feints into punching offense just the way he throws his right hand you can tell he's just watched the the Gaethje KO or the Gaethje knockdown over and over you, like he, he it also even his grappling game he does a lot of uh like leg entanglements into trying to take the back or establish top position so he, he's a good fighter uh, I'm excited to see where he goes from here and Zalal is massive for 135 and he his cardio looked fine so he might be a problem there. That that kind of fixes the main issue I've, I've had with Zalal as a fighter is that he just wasn't going to be a good featherweight, and I knew it. So him at bantamweight, though, he could be a good bantamweight. Okay, so that's all the fights on that card. It was a, a pretty okay card. Um, and so now we're going to be getting into uh, this weekend's upcoming UFC pay-per-view, UFC 278. 
headlined by a welterweight title fight, Kamara Usman defending his belt for, uh, I don't know, like the fifth or sixth time or something, but most of them are against Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington. It's kind of like, kind of like whatever. He's fighting Leon Edwards. Uh, they fought a million years ago. Um, Kamara Usman is, is technically the last person on paper to uh, beat Leon Edwards even though I distinctly remember Leon Edwards getting brutally knocked out by Nate Diaz. But yeah, this rematch is... uh, I was kind of dreading it coming up because I was like, I'm going to have to say some things about these guys. And as... As rematches go, it's kind of interesting because you... Like, watching the first fight, Leon kind of did okay in spots. Uh, Had moments where he was able to outmaneuver Kamaru Usman and like, just catch him with nice intercepting straight punch counters. But mostly just, like, couldn't handle the physicality of Kamaru Usman and Kamaru Usman being really dedicated to just, like, strong pressure, smushing Leon up into the fence, taking him down, wearing him, wearing on him as the fight goes deep. You know, good just, uh, like, riding cage control, or just, like, working into landing more and more ground and pound off it as the fight went deep. And in a way, there's... Basically, no reason to uh, expect that same fight to happen again because Kamarismo doesn't like really do do that stuff anymore. Um, some kind of combination of his time with Trevor Whitman, because of course he used to be a Henry Hooft fighter, and he switched, uh, moved over to Trevor Whitman's uh, because uh, he had a title fight booked against a teammate at Henry Hooft, Gilbert Burns, and he's just stayed with Whitman since then. Um, and I, I assume it's some combination of the time with Whitman and uh, Kamaru Usman famously having no knees that's turned him into more of this kind of like, like neutral space boxer counterpuncher guy. Um, and I'm like, it's that a good idea against Leon Edwards? I guess, I, I guess he's more likely to simply knock Leon Edwards out doing that, particularly if he goes southpaw, which Kamara Usman will do, and Leon Edwards is just like less defensively aware in the close stance and just takes his eye off the ball when the fights go deep. And Kamara Usman is definitely a, just a sharper, more comfortable striker than he was back then. But Leon Edwards is still just like like faster and has always been more of a natural striker. So... <sighs> Kamara Usman should just win easily, but um, I am going to pick Leon Edwards by decision because, and call this bad analysis, in fact, call it not analysis at all, but I just have a weird feeling that Kamara Usman is uh, poised to fall off a cliff physically and that Leon Edwards is just going to come in with like one really stupid tactical adjustment that's going to absolutely spin Kamara Usman's brain and he's just going to like win a weird decision really easily. I don't know what it's going to be, but I just I can't shake the feeling that that's going to happen. So uh, even though Leon Edwards is probably going to get knocked out at some point, I'm I'm just going to just going to pick that. Yeah, I think that Leon uh, taking his eye off the ball kind of later in fights is also present in Usman a bit. Uh, like the second Covington yep. fight shows it a lot. He is not necessarily the best later round fighter. He just has better cardio than most of his opponents, and he's a physical force. So I, I kind of don't know where I'm at on the fight still. It's, it's a weird one, because I, 
my gut wants to be like, oh, well, Leon by finish, he's a cleaner striker. And he's, he's like, he's a lot faster. He hits harder, I think, at least with his kicks. I don't think his punches are harder, but he's like better at connecting normally. So I want to think that he has it in him to actually get the finish, but he is such a bad finisher. Like when he, he hurts someone, it's basically guaranteed that he's going to win the fight, but it's also guaranteed the fight's going to go to decision. So I think unless he can repetitively hurt Usman, he in like if that doesn't happen, Usman's just going to knock him out between one of the situations because Usman is good about coming back if he starts getting fucked up. So I think Leon's success could kind of punish him in a way where he could maybe try and sell out for a finish in the middle round and then get really tired because he's not very good at finishing people. And then you have cardio beast Kamaru Usman on you for the next for the last two rounds, and he has a chip on his shoulder knowing he has to win because he got fucked up really badly. So I just think a lot of factors could kind of funnel Leon into fighting a bad fight that gets him finished. Yeah, I mean, Kamara Usman is the smart pick, but I just feel like some extremely welterweight shit is about to happen, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, Leon being massive in comparison to the first time they fought is another factor that I don't think is getting brought up enough. Like, Usman's also gotten stronger uh, and it's just, like, kind of better at being one 170 since their first fight, but... Leon has made like full, like uh, he's learned an entire skill set in grappling, and then that kind of happened for Usman as well on the feet. But Usman was farther along on the feet than Leon was on the grappling when they first fought. And now I think it's kind of even, but just stylistically, it's a rough matchup for Leon because I think he's going to be wary of the takedown, even though the takedown's not going to come. I don't think, or I'm sure Usman will try, but I don't think Usman's going to like stress it too much if he can't get the first couple takedowns. Well, and also just so much of Leon's best work coming in the clinch and Kamara Usman just being like just difficult to get stuff done in the clinch against because he's just like he's strong and he's strong as shit and just doesn't give you any space. So you know, Leon's also, you know, he's he's sneaky in the transitions. Um but I don't know if there's any real particular reason to just expect a kind of mid-paced, neutralizing outfighter with a couple like uh, sneaky clinch tricks and opportunistic takedowns to re- really be a threat to Kamar Usman. I'm still just going to pick Leon Edwards for some reason, though. I don't, don't even call it British bias because that's like that's not something I do. Yeah, I've I've heard you like enthusiastically pick against too many British fighters to ever think it's a British bias. Um, so the co-main event is supposedly Paulo Costa versus Luke Rockhold. Uh, this fight has been rebooked so many times that I will believe it when I see it. Yeah, I, I think we should keep our analysis shallow for this one. Um. I'm also not sure how much I need to say about this fight other than like Paulo Costa will probably win by knockout because Luke Rockhold's probably washed and is probably was probably at that stage of washed where um I don't think the time he's taken off since his last loss really will have particularly done any good and Paulo Costa 
has a great left hook. He can kick with Luke Rockhold and he just like knows how to fight a southpaw. And Luke Rockhold doesn't know how to, he's never known how to press his grappling advantages if it isn't like in a counter wrestling sense. And I don't expect Paulo Costa to wrestle offensively. So is, is, there, is there any reason to pick Luke Rockhold in this fight? I think it's really just that um, like the kicking battle could favor Luke for parts, but I don't know. I'm just kind of expecting Costa to throw a really hard left kick into a left hook as his foot lands and the left hook to just spin his head around. I mean, I guess it's worth mentioning that Paulo Costa also pretty check hookable. Or, or lead hookable, I guess. Uh, it looks less check hookable than he is just purely like getting hooked over his lead shoulder. Or just anything that comes from that side. It could, it could be, it yeah. be a wheel kick. Uh, I'm, you know, it's it, it's it's more just fascinating from like a from like a psychological standpoint. And yeah, either guy could end up. I mean, both guys are kind of inconsistent in their performances, especially lately. Yeah, I also thought Paulo Costa beat Marvin Vittori. I did um, too. You know, this this should be good. There'll most likely be a knockout, and uh, there'll be some good beach muscles too. We should have just done this at light heavyweight, so both guys could have been just uh, just as jacked as possible. That's the point of uh, this fight, isn't it? I feel like you're insinuating that they're actually going to make weight, which is to be determined. I feel like I was breaking down this fight as insinuating that they're even going to fight on this card. That's so, fair. um, you know, we'll see about all of that. Uh, fuck it. Jo- Jose Aldo is fighting Marab Dvalishvili. Uh, um, Everyone knows the dynamic for this fight. Oh, well, I, I mean, this is a real just if Jose Aldo loses this fight, it's him just like falling off to a new level physically that I don't think we've really seen in his last few fights. Jose Aldo, of course, famously the most untakedownable man in the history of MMA, who did get lat dropped by Marlon Marias. Now, that did happen. Um, I'm never really sure what to make of that fight other than that just just that Aldo was getting used to how it felt at a new weight class and has adapted remarkably since and is still like a, a top five probably fighter in the best division in the sport. Down, down a division in the autumn years of his career, uh, you know, had a solid performance against Piotr Jan and, until he couldn't sustain it anymore and got finished. And, you know, great wins over Cheeto Vera and Rob Font. The win over Cheeto Vera are, only aging better and better with each fight that Chiso has since. So unless Aldo just like doesn't have the power in his hips to just deal with the takedown threat or just like doesn't have the reaction speed or whatever it is that may or may not be slipping that is like compromising Aldo's defensive wrestling or unless just Marab is able to push a pace late even if he's getting his ass beat early and just drown Aldo because Marab is just the famous ridiculous cardio king who can just keep a pace that nobody can keep up with but the thing is I just feel like uh, Aldo at his best like has both the defense and counter punching to just stop Marab from even ever being able to get that stuff going I mean lest we forget Marab Devalishvili had to 
concede to a low-paced kickboxing match with John Dodson because he couldn't take John Dodson down for love nor money. Uh, and 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 that was just like all he could do to beat John Dodson. You fucking like try that shit against Jose Aldo. Also, all of that is assuming that Jose Aldo doesn't simply knock Marab out in the first round because Marab like doesn't have very good defense and you know got absolutely fucking smoked by a washed Marlon Marias. And I don't expect Aldo if he hurts Marab to sell out and just completely destroy himself in the way that. Marlon did in that fight, so I'm going to pick Jose Aldo. What? Do you, well, I, I, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I'm just going to say Aldo's going to knock him out in the first two rounds. Marab is way too liable to just get countered, and he's he's not like subtle about really anything. And I feel like you just need that degree of nuance to be able to beat Aldo, even though he has a route to victory, which is get Aldo tired and then kind of buzz him later in a round with a straight shot and then TKO him when he falls just with volume. Also the but, fact that it's over three rounds as well. Yeah. Even better for Jose. Um, so, I mean, do you want to uh, do the thing where we specifically call out the thing that Jose Aldo is going to knock him out with? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going to be boring. Knee to the body? I don't know how likely that kind of thing is against Marab. I'm, I'm thinking pick. like he had tries a knee to the body and Marab ducks real hard and then gets a knee to the jaw. Okay, nice. Uh, I'm going to say at some point Marab hits like a crazy mat return on Jose Aldo and Jose Aldo hits a switch and KOs Marab from like a, a backside ride like um, like Dan Henderson did against Fedor. Okay. That'd be cool, right? Yeah, that'd be badass. Yeah, now we're through the top three pretty good fights on the card and down into the not as great but still good fights the rest of it's uh, kind of whatever it's fine uh march into bora uh, is i just expect to get ragdolled by alexander romanov you know maybe he'll have like enough sneaky tricks as a grappler to kind of annoy romanov a little bit but i just don't think he can hang with the physicality yeah i think romanov is going to uh scarf hold tko him <laughs> not submit him tko you heard me okay Yep, like no, yeah, yeah, and then Harry Hunsucker versus Tyson Pedro. I mean, Tyson Pedro is probably going to win by knockout. Yeah, that's that's where I'm feeling as well. Uh, I don't know. I guess like front kick. Get yeah, with it. yeah. Jared Gordon versus Leonardo Santos. That's actually badass. Yeah, this is. I mean, it's kind of sad because if this was like four years ago, maybe then like I'd be like, oh yeah, Santos is still Charles Oliveira enough to just destroy Jared Gordon. Um, but uh, at this point, it's like uh, I mean, I mean, Santos is just like pretty old and can't sustain his offense, and Jared Gordon is uh, exactly Grant Dawson enough to just uh, hang with Leonardo Santos and win a decision. Yeah, I think he is exactly durable enough to win a like easier than Clay Guida did, but still get fucked up real bad. At one point. But it's a good fight. Oh, and uh, Lushi Podolova is making her UFC return. Uh, first fight in the UFC since like 2020, I believe. Really excited for that against Yanan Wu. Uh-huh. Don't have any read on the matchup, but I nope. really like Lushi Podolova. Cool. Sean Woodson's fighting Luis Saldana. Yeah. That's I, remember who, I remember who Luis Saldana is. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> 
Sean Woodson is kind of cool, though. Yeah, I'm going to pick Sean Woodson. Uh, the rest of the card has some decent fights, but nothing really worth mentioning. <laughs> Yet. Anglusa versus AJ Fletcher, two contender series guys fighting. Yeah, that might be that, okay. Yeah, that's neat. I'm cool with that. Uh, well, 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 wasn't Daniel De Silva okay? Oh, well, he is. Wait, was he the guy who got taken to school by Julio Arce? But he was like doing Charles Oliveira stuff. Um, maybe I I don't know. Like uh, Victor <laughs> Altamirano like, is good. So that should be a good fight to start the card. And it's short notice because uh, it was supposed to be Altamirano versus Jake Hadley. Mm. But that's a good fight. Uh, Arushi Lang is cool. Yeah, that's it. That's everything. We've talked about this. this that's, that's the fights. Um, card should be okay. Main event is weird, but kind of interesting. Um, yeah, if you enjoyed this content and all of the other great stuff the fight side puts out, please consider supporting us on Patreon. A pledge of just $3 gains access to a huge library of really high-quality analytical fight content. Uh, just recently, um, myself and Tumin posted alternate commentaries for... Uh, we did a couple of Cheeto Vera and Dominic Cruz fights before their fight and then did commentary for their fight after the fact. And uh, we are going to start working on a big uh, Cheeto Vera career retrospective where we're going to be going through a bunch of his old fights and sort of uh, giving some context for his career and talking about his development as a fighter since he's kind of the new hotness and a lot of people haven't seen his whole career and don't really, I think don't really get Cheeto Vera. So that should, that should be a cool thing if you want to see that. Uh, and uh, sub to the fight site on Patreon. Um, yes, yeah, it's been the Forbidden Technique podcast. You can catch us next week where we're going to be talking about anything cool that happens on this upcoming card and also previewing uh, the UFC's first event in France since uh, MMA was made legal there with uh, a pretty cool uh, heavyweight main event between Sirogan and Taito Ivasa. A uh, fight that I was actually asking for after both of their last fights and a fight that I had a very strong and slightly controversial read on that I have to stick to because I already said it on the show several months ago. So tune in for that. Also, fucking Bobby Knuckles is fighting Marvin Vittori. Some other shit. We'll catch you guys later. Peace. Later. Later.